This week on Uncensored CMO, I will be talking to someone running one of the UK's largest advertisers, and that's Mark Evans at Direct Line. Um, if you know anything about Direct Line, you'll have seen some of their really good work recently, the relaunch of Churchill last year, and more recently, actually, the relaunch of the Direct Line brand itself, which in fact came only two weeks before coronavirus hit. So on that, I was fascinated to catch up with him and find out how are the team coping with this considerable challenge? What does it mean for their advertising? Are they going to pull it, change it, do something different? And what decisions are they going to be making as an organization to help navigate through this very uncertain time? So I was super excited that Mark was able to join me. So I think you'll enjoy this. So welcome to a rather different edition of the Uncensored CMO. Um, as, I, as I said in my introduction, we're starting a, a little series talking to people in the industry about how the current COVID-19 crisis is impacting them and what it means for the decisions they've now got to make about marketing and how they're going to respond. And uh, I'm really pleased this week to be joined by Mark Evans, who's Managing Director for Marketing and Digital at Direct Line, um, a very big uh, advertiser in the UK and uh, behind some very recent new work as well. So I was fascinated to find out from him how he's going to respond, he and his team, to uh, the current crisis. So, so Mark, thank you for joining us. Welcome on to Uncensored. Pleasure to be here. So obviously, I was hoping in normal circumstances, we'd do a sort of more extended interview. And I'd love to come back and chat to you some more about your career and uh, what you've been up to. But um, j just for those listening, give it, could you give me just a very brief introduction for, to you, how you got here and uh, what it is you do? I oversee marketing and digital for Direct Line Group. I've been with the company eight years. About a year ago, I was promoted to the exec into the MD role. Uh, and so saw it, I've seen the company from the 2012 IPO through a major business transformation and now into a new chapter with a new CEO, a new strategy, new purpose, uh, and so on. And um, as, as you said, we can maybe talk to that a little bit more subsequently. In terms of uh, getting into marketing per se, it's probably worthwhile saying my career has been a bit haphazard uh, with a lot of serendipity. I've, I've, um, I'm the most loyal person I've ever known. I, I've never resigned. I've always been made redundant four times, in fact, including before I'd even started as a, uh, a graduate job. In, in fact, I've not even set foot in the building. Um, so you could say unlucky, but actually always pivoted out of those moments and really happy to be at Direct Line because honestly, as a boy, I didn't dream of growing up and working in insurance, uh, far from it, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And it is really interesting, particularly at this pivot time, not just around COVID, but in terms of at the, it's, it's at the intersection of um, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, connected homes, driverless cars, uh, and the, the future of technology. So it's a, it's a really interesting place and time to be so it, it's a fascinating industry you find yourself in and a fascinating time to be in it as well to be leading a leading a business through so um talk me through the the last three or four weeks in your in your life so how how has uh, the covid crisis impacted on you i guess both per personally and professionally as an organization well, personally, I have to say I haven't had as good quality of life in 23 years. Uh, <laughs> so the, the four hours of commuting are substituted with a, a long walk and actually seeing my family for, for mealtimes. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, so that, that bit's brilliant. And hopefully we're going to put in a bottle some of the learnings to really have a more strategic homeworking approach as a, as a company. But no, I mean, the, the first couple of weeks, it was really all about the operational response, moving from 99.9% .9 office working across 11,000 people to 99.99% um, home working. Uh, so yeah, a frenzy of activity just to mobilize. Um, but, but we did that well. And I think what 
it's worthwhile saying that on the B of Bang, when this crisis really uh, emerged, we, we corporately set out four key principles for how we were going to navigate through. And they've been tremendously purifying and galvanizing and, it, and has enabled us to make some quite tricky commercial decisions really quickly in, in minutes that might have taken months. Uh, and they were protect our people, uh, protect our customers, keep thinking long term and do stuff that's in the nation's interests. And um, I think what we just stumbled upon, maybe slightly ahead of the curve of the interplay of doing the right thing for your people flows through into doing the right thing for your customer and customers perceive that as a good thing but inevitably it also makes the customer experience better. We've got amazing stories of people working in not great conditions at home. Uh, we, in fact, we've had the highest ever person, personal NPS score. So every individual on the front line is measured at NPS every day. The highest ever scores, and who'd have thought, because it's pretty crappy circumstances. So, so that, that's been the immediate challenge. And obviously our travel business has been massively affected. You know, the, 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 the spike in claims is really off the charts. But then in other parts, it's, it's the opposite. So there's less activity around motor insurance because people are driving less. So, you know, it's quite a, quite a big readjustment for us. The four priorities have really helped. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually feeling, we, we've always said right from the get-go as a leadership team, we need to be and appear calm and confident. And unfortunately, we're a sector where we can be because it's quite annuitized. But I think that sort of that calmness has been really important. So we've made big decisions well and quickly. Uh, but super exciting, you know, as a, as a, as a leadership uh, learning event, you know, I mean, it is literally unequaled. So, um, you know, it, you don't have to be a masochist, maybe it helps a tiny bit. But what, a rich learning, what, a, what a rich learning experience as well. Yeah, yeah. It beats all those kind of business model simulations you do on management courses, doesn't it? In terms of richness. And yeah, learning. for sure. And, and, and you know, it's, it's been awkward in timing, to say the least, for two very specific reasons. One is, uh, we only really got the new direct line campaign out the door. Uh, thankfully, we had, and we'll come on to talk about how we've held firm to that. But all our beautifully laid media plans were somewhat scuppered. And the second is um, we're already pretty agile, you know, agile manifesto. Um, but we're moving enterprise wide, so full cross functional agile transformation that was due to happen in the next, well, May, the end of May, it was supposed to stand up, moving from about 10 squads to about 100, 70, 80 odd. odd. Um, and we've had to sort of pause on that as well. And we'd actually just triggered a collective consultation process, which is unnerving at the best of times. But so for our people, it's sort of doubly uh, uncertain uh, um, or, or volatile, if you like, just because we've got all of these things happening all at the same time. Wow. So listen, before I come on to creative media, because I'd love to explore that further with you, because as you say, fascinating timing. I think it was within days or weeks of your new campaign that this all started happening. But um, you, you mentioned the team and, and net promoter scores as well. Um, how, how have you been able to do that? Because you would have thought that morale would be quite severely impacted by the current crisis. So how have you managed to deliver such a positive result in, in challenging circumstances? Well, I think I think being responsive is, is is an obvious one, but we've worked really hard from a communication point of view. Uh, so just going that extra mile, I think we're already pretty good. You know, as as example by the the, the brilliant lunchtime learning that you did for the for the marketing team uh, just today. Just just you know, pay attention to morale and engagement. We 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 measure uh, engagement um, regularly. We were the top three um, times big companies uh, employer uh, last year. Um, we're now moving into weekly engagement dips, doing menti polls, all that, all that sort of stuff. So I think, but but there's something bigger than that, which is that Penny, as our CEO, um, 
is uh, is very empathetic, very humble, you know, very normal, in fact, uh, and really gets, I think she gets people very deeply. Um, and, and then our purpose, this is a, a moment where our brand new purpose has really come to the fore in a way that was completely unexpected. So we said that we think we, we exist to be a force for good, um, which is, you know, true truly the generic thought of what insurance should be but it often gets lost and so the way that we've spun up local community funds um on a very large scale to help in our seven the, the seven towns that we employ in um you know that's 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 a really great example of doing you know doing things that are good in the world doing stuff that's in the nation's interest for, for the the thing i said before and i, I think you know, so we get verbatims every week and we're responsive to them uh, and so, yeah, I, I, hopefully for now and for, forever, we're just in tune with what our, um, our, our people want. It, it, it's been said it's, it's a kind company. You know, it, it's a company with a heart. Uh, and I think that's reflected in our values and in our CEO. Hmm. No, it's, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Because, you know, purpose is cheap. But at the moment, purpose is being tested like never before. But equally, I mean, what we see fascinating on like the System One database of, of advertisers is that those that are acting and following through and being generous and public spirited are really seeing a lot of love back from consumers. Um, so it's also a great opportunity, isn't it, to walk the walk as well as talk the talk with these things? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the crunch, isn't it? And so, um, you know, the, as you said, sort of words are cheap, but actions really can cost. And uh, it is why we switched off new business on our phone channel just so we could give a better service to our existing customers. So, and I think all of these sort of things, which are obvious principles of a principle-led company, are now being tested to, to, the, to the fullest. I bet they are, yeah. So, obviously, you know, Direct Line is a very big advertiser, and, uh, you, you know, you, you, I, I see your uh, advertising on TV a lot, and, you know, you, you spend significantly, and I, I, I'm imagining it must be a very big percentage of your kind of corporate investment. Um, how are you, because again, I think it's a statistic we were chatting about earlier, 80% of businesses have already declared what they're going to be doing in this circumstance. What's been your approach then to, do you, do you keep advertising? Do you stop advertising? What are you going to do? Yeah, well, I mean, that 80% statistic of people have already declared really caught my eye because I think that's, um, you know, that in itself brings a lot of risk that you'll undercall it, overcall it. I mean, I think it's fair to say that we're all learning. And, and so my, my tactic has been to absolutely not declare on almost anything, uh, not, not to be slopey shouldered. We've been very busy to deliver customer comms, to guide customers, uh, very busy bringing the outside in. Um, and, and we have been very busy in terms of forecasting, replanning and so on, but just not declaring that. Uh, because I think that, you know, you, once you declare this, it's pretty hard to unwind. Um, but we have been doing a lot of rephasing and replanning of media by necessity. So deferring some spend. But actually, we're not calling out um, savings at all at this point in time. Um, what we will do is we'll come back round, rerun our econometric modelling and say what we believe is no longer economic, which we expect to be quite a small percentage because we usually run with pretty good buffers. Um, and so my, my tactic absolutely is, is to buy time, but not in a slopey shoulder way, but to be explicit that it's very fast evolving. We're collectively as a society going through a change curve and things are going to keep moving. We're all learning. And so it's, it's buying time, but doing the appropriate rephasing. I mean, obviously we are fairly TV heavy. Uh, and so the increase in uh, supply of eyeballs, if you like, and the reduction of demand from advertising from some sectors who I feel very sorry for, you know, being absolutely decimated. 
means that there's uh, you know there's there's it's a deflationary market so for, for, for us I, i'm sure we will end up spending a little bit less we're not a png where we're going to say on a principal basis we're going to double down it's not really appropriate in our sector partly because it's it's very flat demand through the year it's not a seasonal spike type um thing insurance but you know i expect us to spend broadly similar levels uh, and and maybe if we get um extra share of voice benefit on the back of that so much the better but really we just want to make sure we stick to our plans wherever we can well that's the fascinating thing i saw some comms from itv i think just yesterday or just before the weekend talking about um the value uh being better than in a generation in terms of tv advertising so there, there are opportunities aren't there as you said to to grab share a voice and uh and take advantage um, so let me move on to the messaging then. How are you, uh, obviously, uh, you, you, so first of all, congratulations on an amazing Churchill campaign last year, um, which went down very, very well. So it's good to good to see Churchill the dog uh, doing his stuff. Um, and, but more recently, you've just relaunched the kind of core direct line um, brand, haven't you, with, with new comms. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that was only two or three weeks before this whole thing happened. So um, what does that mean for that campaign and your plans going forward? Are they under review now or are you... You're going to continue with that well so thank you for mentioning churchill we're really pleased with how we pivoted that brand because we hadn't really done the positioning work for a while we've been focused a bit more on direct line and um yes yeah, it seems to be working really well although you know these things you know take time still early days but everything so far so good for direct line um well august 2014 we relaunched the brand and it's been an absolute runaway success for the last few years uh, galvanizing internally frankly as well but also being helping us to be really clear with customers what the brand stands for and that's that's really resonated so actually in truth for the last 18 months myself and Kerry Chilvers the brand's director um, have been crapping ourselves a little bit about how the hell do we follow that uh, because it was really that successful um, and one of those campaigns you think maybe that you're lucky if that comes across comes along once in a career how, how the hell are we going to replicate that but, but actually, we've, what's really interesting is that we've kept the same strategy, i.e. we're fixers, the same leadership team, the same agency, uh, and still managed to make a proactive decision to move the campaign on. Typically, changing a very successful campaign would be when it ran out of steam or you felt you needed an agency pitch or a new CMO. So none of those things. I'm really proud of the fact that actually we've we have moved it on uh, you know in our own controlled way um, but it's taking that fixer idea to a new level and finding a comparator uh, in the case of the fixer we've stated our credentials but we didn't really have a comparator uh, and now we found a comparator which is superheroes and it's such a simple idea and it's a big idea and it's enjoyable it is, isn't it yeah in, in, you know it's, in, it's enjoyable advertising but again it works really well internally even in the early days of uh, the, the the pride factor basically uh, when people sort of feel that good about uh, what the company's doing what the brand's doing they actually come in on the monday doing the same thing as they were doing last friday but it sort of reconnects people with the pride in what they're doing and that matters from a customer experience point of view uh, but as you said you know all best laid plans uh, it was literally a couple of weeks in when this started to brew and you know um outdoor disappeared as a medium for, for the foreseeable similar similarly for cinema I mean, fortunately, we were pretty well developed in our reach and frequency uh, sort of pre-build. It has qu quite scuppered some of the really, really super interesting things that we were going to do. Even, had so, even, even so, we have done some really cool precedents, including externalising our internal comms. So actually advertising to our staff in the immediate vicinity of our offices. 
So I, we've probably done sort of seven tenths of the coolness of the whole thing. And there's still some more tough stuff to come that we'll do at an appropriate time. But I think this, this was another sort of major moment um, in any marketer's career to land a you know, really, really big campaign. Um, so, so it's not under review. It is interesting that as a campaign, it, it's a bit hyperbolic. Well, clearly it's got, you know, imaginary superhero figures in it. Um, and is, uh, uh, whereas a lot of the advertising that you're seeing in the retail space in the COVID uh, times is more about connecting and it's more emotional and uh, softer. Uh, and, but we're, we're still assessing from a suitability point of view and there's, we're, not, we're not into the sort of the heavy sales messages. So we think it's, we think it's fine but we're very alive to the fact that things are going to continue to change back to that. You know, probably the preeminent thought is we're all learning uh, from, you know, CEO, MDs, everybody in the whole organization have to be super open to learning. And it's really handy that we've, as part of our agile transformation process, we've launched a set of new behaviors and number one is curiosity. <laughs> uh, and so you sort of couldn't make it up really that this is the time where we're really learning about what it means to be curious at, at a time when every, nothing is certain and everything is changing. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. I mean, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, we, we track every week how people are feeling and what they want to see more of. And and actually, when we ask the media question, it's it's entertainment, it's comedy, it's film. So, so although, you know, you know, a lot of um, creative is connecting where it's human and interpersonal and real and authentic, as, as we're seeing a lot of brands doing, the flip side is people looking for escapism and entertainment and drama. And I think that's what your new campaign delivers in, in space, isn't it? So um, I, think, I think the ads are very enjoyable, uh, very filmic, very escapist. Um, and we were very lucky to have Brian Buckley, the king of Super Bowl advertising, and he's made 60-odd Super Bowl ads. Uh, and the reason he wanted to work with us is that these are ads, that, scripts that he'd not really ever come across before. Uh, and so, you know, they are and have very high production values, but they're really not as, as expensive as, as people might think they are. Um, so they're ticking all the boxes for us now, and they're very extendable into, oh, you know, there's any number of, of heroes out there, superheroes that we can uh, put out of business with our amazing fixing talents. <laughs> Amazing. No, I've been really enjoying it. Um, so a bit, bit, bit of a, maybe a bit of a tough question to close on, but um, what, what's your best prediction of what's going to happen over in the next few weeks and months as, as you look at it from a business perspective? As I said, I think we're going through a change curve. I mean, I'm, I'm no expert in terms of the way that the, the virus is going to, um, the pandemic is going to play out. It seems like, though, that there's going to be uh, sort of repeated events, you know, a, a sort of a throttling. It's going to take a long time. Um, so my, my son asked me, you know, when do you think we'd next be able to go to sort of a major football match or a football rugby match? And, you know, it's sort of almost hard to see when that's going to be until there's a vaccine, frankly. So, so we are planning on this being an extended thing, um, but, but, but almost a new norm. And, and to be honest with you, I'm a bit on the fence. One survey I saw said that 63% uh, of people want to go back to the way things were or want to go back to normal. Um, but then another survey said only 9% want people to go th back to things exactly as they were. So what's going to be most interesting is what, what is a sort of a transient trends versus what's, what's more permanent. And we're, we're obviously doing, we do a horizon scan every year. We're doing a refresh on the exercise as a sort of a one-off just to understand, you know, what is temporary, what's permanent. But I, but I, I think, you know, it's, it, it will bounce back, but it's really going to take some time. There's a huge amount of pessimism. Uh, in some of the surveying and whether around whether people think they're going to be personally affected whether their finances are affected 
And uh, I, I was an economist back in the day. And the, the, the reality is that so much of economic outcomes are defined by expectations. And at the moment, I think a lot of people are starting to, uh, are struggling to see how this unpicks, how this unlocks. And of course, all recessions do. Um, so I think this one will be relatively quick in its recovery because it's an exogenous event rather than the sort of the general economic uh, uh, climate. Um, but exactly when, really hard to call. And it may not be until sort of these you know, people. I've heard one comment, which was um, that you're only at the low point when there's no sign of hope. Uh, so you know, <laughs> in that sense, we're probably yeah. you know, way off the lowest That's, point. We're um, probably, yeah. but, but, but impossible question to predict but for us it's really that calmness and confidence to stick to what we're doing but be alive to opportunity and keep learning yeah. Um, yeah. so it's almost sort of like you know, what's most important is a bit less the facts and the nuances but more the mindsets that we have mm. you know as, as leaders and marketers in this moment no i love that i, I really, really struck by your what you're doing internally with your people as well and, and how that links to your purpose i think that's really positive i mean you know it's like itv's campaign about keep britain talking isn't it i think it's so important that we you know maintain our positive outlook and we encourage people and you know look to look to the future as well so it's wonderful to see you doing that listen mark thank you so much it's, it's been lovely to chat to you and i really appreciate you being so open and honest about what you're up to and uh giving us your perspective that's uh, it's been wonderful so that thank you so much my pleasure john